Tonight on Piers Morgan Uncensored, Wales Rugby bans the legendary anthem Delilah over claims it normalises violence against women. Does that mean we now cancel violent television, violent movies, operas, even Shakespeare? We'll debate that. At first, Boris Johnson went on manoeuvres. Now, Lettuce Liz Truss launches the most unwanted comeback in political history. Are Britain's zombie ex-Prime Ministers undermining Rishi Sunak's government? Plus, Sam Smith shocks. Well, he's always shocking. I don't know why it's even a news story, but he's shocked again at the Grammys by dressing up as Satan. Is he, they, them bravely pushing the boundaries of art or just the boundaries of taste? We'll debate that. Live from London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Good evening from London. Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. There are very few sights and sounds more iconic in British sport than Welsh rugby fans lustily bellowing out Delilah. It's a legendary 1960s ballad by the iconic Welsh crooner Tom Jones. And here's the man himself leading a rousing chorus of it at Wembley for the England v Wales game in 1999. Spine-tingling stuff, like many sporting anthems. It's nothing much to do with sport. It's a stirring sing-along anthem, which every supporter knows the words to. It gets their pulses racing. It raises the roof. It brings fans together. But does it incite violence? Well, the Welsh Rugby Union thinks so. It's just banned the song from the official choir's song list ahead of the Six Nations opening fixtures, which just occurred this weekend. And the victory for common sense, and it was their only victory this weekend, the Welsh fans completely ignored it. Well, it didn't help their play. Wales got walloped by Ireland in that opening game on Saturday. Some suggested they should have spent more time concentrating on the rugby, a little less time on the virtue signalling. Well, the Wales uh, winger, Louis Rezamet, tweeted all the things they need to do and they do that first. He's got a point, hasn't he? The Welsh Rugby Union said in a statement that the song is problematic, that wonderful new word, that scourge of our society, problematic. Everything is problematic to somebody, trust me, everything. A problematic and upsetting to some supporters because of its subject matter. And it's true. The lyrics to Delilah are pretty full-on. They're about a jealous lover avenging his unfaithful concubine. She stood there laughing. I took my knife in my hand and she laughed no more. We can all agree that's not the way to settle a real domestic dispute. But has any real person in the 55-year history of the song ever seriously interpreted it as an instruction manual? Does anyone think it has anything to do with domestic violence? The song's just theatre. It's a thespian murder ballad telling a fictional story about people who don't exist. If we have to ban Delilah, where does that stop? Johnny Cash shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. That wasn't very nice. Bob Marley shot a sheriff. That was definitely problematic. And don't even dare think about Britney Spears singing Hit Me Baby One More Time. Happy Valley is the biggest show on British TV at the moment. It features a lot of violence against women which it uses as part of its masterful and hard-hitting storytelling. 
Movies are loaded with exaggerated violence against men, women, and, well, pretty much everybody. Then there's opera, theatre, Shakespeare, the entire genre of rap music. Banning one Welsh anthem might seem trivial to some, but once you begin to sacrifice art at the altar of snowflakery, as I would see it, the world starts to become a very boring place. Well, joining me now is domestic abuse survivor and the founder of Stand Up to Domestic Abuse, Rachel Williams, and my pack, political journalist Ava Santina, talk to contributor Esther Cracker. Well, welcome to all of you. So, Rachel, first of all, you've been through a horrific thing, horrific domestic violence, ending up with you being shot, and it had appalling consequences. Your own son took his life after this. And for that, I'm deeply sorry to you. And genuinely, I have nothing to offer you but empathy for everything you've been through. Here's my problem with this, is I can understand why you, given what you've been through, given the choice, would say, yeah, stop singing Delilah. But for the reasons I've just articulated, that once you start going down that road with, with fictitious art, I don't know where it ends. Most operas have similar storylines. Shakespeare's full of it. Do we literally say, that's it, that all that kind of stuff has to be expunged, cancelled? Well, I'm Welsh, I live at home. I used to sing along with Gusto, you know, mm. not really knowing the words, and this is what I found in the last couple of weeks. People are singing it, not knowing the words, and I think if it was put up on a big screen in the, in the match, would people really want to be seeing that, the, the glorifying of a murder? You know, we know we lose two, two women a week at the hands of a, a partner or ex-partner. Is banning Delilah going to stop a perpetrator? Of course it's not, and anybody that thinks that is absolutely insane. So why bother? Well, I think, you know, we, we talk about Happy Valley. You know, that was great because it showed domestic abuse, showed coercion, showed the murder, showed the violence, but then it's good cop, bad cop. He, he got done for his actions, basically. Mm. This is actually glorifying a song of a murder. And I think unless you've been touched by domestic abuse and violence, directly or indirectly, it's oh, somebody else's business. But if you took the argument... Listen, I get it. Yeah. I get it completely. I totally get why you feel the way you do. But if you take the argument that if you've personally experienced something, which is, you know, for you a serious thing and it upsets you and it's traumatising, that no art can ever go down that road because it might upset somebody who's been through it themselves for real... I, I just think in the end, and I'm bringing uh, the pack here, but I just think in the end, Esther, once you go down that road, it's a very slippery slope to really rampant censorship. Yeah. Because somebody somewhere will have a story not as bad as yours, I would hope, because it's horrific, but somebody will have a story about almost everything, which they could say, look, this is traumatising me, this Shakespeare exactly. play, this performance of it, you know, this opera. I mean, the operas in particular mm. I'm thinking of. This poem, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff where... Even more than pop music. Where, you know, music. you might recite poetry, you might recite a... You know, I might have a school play of Shakespeare. I was a Shakespeare performer myself at, at prep school. Do, do, when I look back on it, Romeo and Juliet, I mean, you know, these things, are they're all pretty violent. Yeah, I mean, it's a free speech issue, right? You know, everything will, at some point can and will offend someone else. But at the point where you're infringing on someone's free speech to actually sing the song because you think they're not cognizant of the, the content of the lyrics or whether they should be singing it, that is where it's a slippery slope because then you have to be able to justify it. You have to be able to prove that that song is, is an instruction manual for people that want to, you know, solve domestic disputes, which is not. No-one's murdered a woman because they said, I listened to that, that the song Delilah and followed the lyrics, right? And, and the bigger issue here is 
you know, listen to the filth that we listen to today. 50 Cent, you know, uh, Stormzy, all... Look at the lyrics of all the modern pop songs that we listen to. They're all full of violence and, you know, glorifying horrible things, but we still sing them, and most people know the lyrics. They just choose to ignore them. Right. That, that's, just, that's just the nature of, of the... Right, I mean, that's, that is my feeling about this. If you're going to start banning Delilah... It's a bit like when they, they went after the, the Christmas song, the, what was it, Baby It's Cold Outside. Yeah, yeah. And they said, it, you know, it, it was basically a licence to commit assault on women. Everybody with a brain knew that was not the case about that. It was a very innocent song, actually, a very innocent video about playful flirtation. But it got you know, misconstrued. John Legend rewrote the lyrics because it was so outrageous. But John Legend is best friends with a bunch of rap stars who write and sing the most heinous stuff. Right. So, to me, there's a real double standard, too, about what we delve into when it comes to censoring music. But that's interesting that you understand that dichotomy, and then I, I understand later in this programme we're going to be talking about Sam Smith and right. the display that they put on yesterday at the Grammys, a, a display that I really enjoyed. Well, you Satan. You can, understand how that, you can understand how that might be influential on children who are watching, on impressionable people, but for some reason you can't understand why chanting about murdering someone might no, have I think, some you know, sort I of think the difference is not murdering someone, it's murdering a woman. So imagine right. if Delilah was written and sung by a woman. Well, right? Mm -hmm. That's just Bob a woman, Marley woman. shot the sheriff. What happens with that? Yeah, but listen, when, when, hang on, hang on. Bob Marley, I shot the sheriff. Yeah. So what happens to that song? Well, what, what do you mean? Are we in a situation well, are we where saying Bob it's only Marley gender, has shot a sheriff? Are we saying it only matters if a woman... We, you know, is, it, is it only applicable to women being on the receiving end of violence? Well, look, I, think that, I think you are very intelligent, peers, and you know that women are often on the end, the receiving end of domestic abuse. You know, a woman is killed every three days by a partner, ex-partner, or someone she knows. Do you know how many men are killed by knows. other men? It's it, it dwarf, No, but it dwarfs that number. Right. The number of men that are killed by other men dwarfs the number so of women that are killed denominator? by domestic yeah. abuse. What's the common denominator? No, but that doesn't mean all men are bad. and violent. No, no, no it doesn't. It doesn't mean all men are bad. Can I just say, Rachel, on that point, I have made a series of crime documentaries involving extremely violent women, just for the record, a two-series called Killer Women, mm -hmm. and they were incredibly dangerous and very violent. So it's not like dangerous women don't exist. Yeah, the percentage agree. is higher, but the highest percentage of killings in the world by a country yeah. mile, as Esther said, is men on men, men yeah, right? Yeah. But my point is, OK, you know, Bob Marley, I shot the sheriff. Did we ban that song? Mm -hmm. Yes or no? No, I understand that. I understand or do that do we or not? But can I also present... Well, hang on, don't, that... don't... It's like a politician. But do, it makes... do we ban it or not? We don't ban it. We don't ban but it. Can I add so to men that? getting I shot think... dead, fine. Women getting killed, not fine. Yeah. Let me slightly agree you with you. see the slight problem with that? Let me slightly agree with you and say what I didn't like about this ban was I felt that the Welsh Rugby Union had actually engaged in femwashing, which is essentially like, you know... What, is, what is femwashing? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. It's, that it's... sounds like one of those things that you see I adverts know. for yeah, in exactly. America. Yeah, exactly. It's a hygienic right. product. But it's capitalising on domestic abuse and women's violence in a way to publicise yourself. And actually, yeah, banning this song is not going to do anything to, the, you know, to combat the way that women are treated by violent husbands who come home from sports games. If they'd actually done something productive alongside this ban, I'd be more on side with it. But I think they have trivialised domestic abuse with this just this quiet ban. OK, so my other, my other question, look, you said you sang along uh, it's been a Welsh anthem for 50 years, right? Yeah. So it came out in the 60s. Why now? I mean, we've all known what the lyrics have been. Everyone knows what the song is. Everyone, Why now? I think, if I'm truly honest, it is in response to what's just come out with the WIU. You know, and I've been talking about this song for the last few years, and so has Chris Bryant, the MP. And I had a Twitter debate with a gentleman on Twitter, and he said, you know, oh, it's ridiculous. And then when I explained to him my reasons mm. of why I think it should not be sung, he said he totally agreed. You know, 92% of defendants in domestic abuse cases in 2020 weren't, were male. Mm. 
you know, we've got a problem. Yeah, but Rachel, but here's, again, I come, listen, complete respect, for, again, for your argument, I get it. But here's the problem. To me, there are two issues, domestic violence and free speech, right? Nobody is saying that these are real people in Delilah. They're fictitious. Yes, and but someone that is, is really singing... happening every week up no, here. No, I understand that. But Happy Valley is fictitious. Yes, but then you had the cop at the end. So if Tom Jones rewrote the lyrics and the, the guy I who kills the, the woman gets gets put in jail, you're fine with it. If that's if that if that is so be it, yeah. Really? Yeah. You'd be fine with that. So you keep but why the, is that the standard? Keep the lyrics. So your interpretation no. of it is the standard. My thing is, at the end of the day, it's good cop, bad cop. And at the end of the day, you've got a case, like with Happy Valley, where he was actually arrested, put in prison, and you know, you you've so got if it, that. So if, if the story ends the way you want it, that's when it's okay for you speak. Well, no, it, it's it's you know, I, I what, if, what if Delilah took the knife? What if Delilah saw the man at the door and said, Oh, I'm, you know what, I'm sick of you, and just went into her kitchen and got a butcher's knife? No, I think oh, we're no. trying to we yeah, are No, but that's yeah. the thing. You, you're happy not. to manipulate a story to, no, it's to make not. it more comfortable because what you no, like. No, it's not. Because at the end of the day, if, if the guy... If Delilah killed the guy, uh -huh. then, you know, we could still have the same conversation. Yeah, but let me tell you, Rachal, here's, here's, here's the we thing. Ever? We wouldn't be having the conversation. Exactly. No, because more women, had killed, more women are killed than I'm, men in, I understand, in the UK peers. But as we just said, far more men are killed by men yeah. right, yeah, than so any other form of murder in the world. And it's, it's promoting violence constantly. This is a sick world well, that's, we live That's in. the entirety it's of the sick. rap genre. Well, OK. That's the entirety of rugby, the rap genre. Rugby itself promotes violence. It's men smashing yeah. into each other. Right, it's violent. Yeah, but they choose to do that. Well, a do woman we, don't well, have to well, be killed or smacked around. You can also choose not to sing the song, but you don't get to you don't get to but make that, that blanket that, ban that for anyone else. That actually says more about the person singing the song. I Hold think on, if you, if I you know the lyrics, if you know the lyrics and you yeah, choose to sing it, freedom of then you they, they, that's fine. But would you? But, okay, but would you? But would you though go over any opera that had problematic, you know, narratives or themes? Uh, would you go over any other songs which have violence in them? Would you ban all rap music? Because they're Listen, all pretty violent. Sting, you know, you know, that's a homage to stalkers, you know? Every breath you take, every move you make. You can't... No, I get you're what you're saying. You're not going to ban every breath no, you you can. I would you love can. to ban that song. Please that is a horrendous <laughs> song. You can. That, that is a terribly frightening song. I cannot stand it. Every it's breath awful. you take. It's, it's awful. creepy. Yeah. It's about a man watching his ex-wife yeah. forever. It's stalking. It sounds nice. But, but it sounds yeah, nice. It's, it's not very nice if someone's looking near All right, so we're banning that as well. What else do you want to ban? I'd happily... Happily get rid of that. You'd happily get rid of most rap music. It's interesting to hear no, you talk about. Yes, I you wouldn't. would. I'm sure I've been I on the wouldn't. show and I've spoken to you before about I've how never rap said music. It should be know... banned. No, I've only ever said. I don't think any of it should be banned. I think fictitious music lyrics, like everything else fictitious, they should be treated as fictitious. Mm -hmm. And I don't see a causal link between Delilah and people suffering domestic violence. I just don't. If there was one, if there was a spate of cases of people saying, well, actually, I listened to Tom Jones sing this at the rugby and it made me want to go and kill my partner, fine. You don't there's never been a recorded it? case of that. You don't think that chanting it over and over again By might normalise domestic violence? I don't think anybody ever has ever gone away from chanting Delilah and think, I must go and kill my girlfriend. Well, then it's OK for Sam Smith to dress up as Satan, isn't well, it? Well, my point about different. Sam Smith is he's become a bit like his heroine Madonna. He's become this ridiculous attention seeker who only shocks just to, just to create shock and attention. The reason I had an injection to this is I've written a column about for New York Post. There are 210 million ca uh, Christians in America, 63% of the country, mm -hmm. who are actually genuinely offended that Sam Smith and I'm a Catholic, was, prance, and was prancing around on stage at the Grammys, family show, watched by kids, he's prancing around devil-worshipping, and actually making a point of saying, well, they don't recognise trans people, so we view them as hellish, right? No, but then, do you, but 
But why do you get to ban free speech or you get to promote free speech when it's Delilah? It. But then when this comes on and it might offend a certain subsect of Americans, then we have it. to get rid of I'm it. I'm not saying it should be banned. Or it's not appropriate because what? it might offend you a certain be critical. group of people. You can be critical. I just don't believe in this cancel culture all the time. I don't believe you keep banning things because you don't, you don't feel, find them appropriate. But you can sing Delilah at home. You can go home and sing every breath you take. No one is stopping you from doing that. We're just suggesting that maybe in a stadium full of people where women and children like to take part in the action, it's not appropriate. You're, su you're not suggesting it. You're banning it. That's the difference. You're not suggesting it. Now it's been banned. I didn't ban but, anything. That was the well, well, yeah, but no, but that's the, that's it, it's, it's, it's actually only the choir stop the choir singing. But my, my so if your mum was tragically killed by by her partner, mm. knife to death, would you be happy singing that in a rugby match? I, I wouldn't have any correlation between that and uh, Delilah. No, none at all. You wouldn't. No, yeah. none at all. Unless, unless it happened because of the song Delilah. My dad's a Welshman and a massive fan of Welsh rugby. If he suddenly, you know, got overexcited watching the rugby because Delilah was being sung and attacked my mother, I might have a problem with it. But I don't see any causal link between the two things. And that's where I have a problem with the censorship. If there was, I'd say, OK, I get it. And again, I completely understand why you feel the way you do. But I do think once you go down that road, I'm not sure where it stops. Because there'll be a lot of people out there who have their own reasons, like you say, it is every breath you take about stalking? I don't think so, but there'll be someone who's a stalking victim who has the same powerful argument that you do, who's been through a horrendous experience with stalking, and says, yes, and I get that, and I get, I get each individual case. But I don't think you can really legislate free speech by saying every individual that suffered personal trauma means we have to ban this yeah. thing. And, and, and like I said all along, Piers, you know, at the end of the day, perpetrators abuse because they choose. Mm. Not because of alcohol, not because of drinks, not because of their childhood background, and not because of Delilah. Right. But the good thing, what's happening here, is we're having the conversation about domestic abuse and violence, and it's being brought back into the media, which Rachel, is great. Rachel, I agree. And I think that's an important uh, issue. And I know you've been through an awful lot, and it's great to see you. So thank you very Cheers. much for coming in. Appreciate it. You're staying with me, Pack. Next tonight, the fallout to my exclusive interview with Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and the ghastly return of the most unwanted Prime Minister in history, the lettuce. This trust, more next. Well, welcome back to Piers Morgan Uncensored. Just when Rishi Sunak thought he'd sailed into slightly calmer waters, the Tory sharks are circling the Prime Minister, Liz Truss and Boris Johnson, are pushing for tax cuts ahead of the budget. Remember the last time the government tried the Truss way, the pound tank to mortgage rates exploded and she was gone in 44 days. In fact, she lasted less time than a lettuce, you might remember. Well, maybe Rishi Sunak needs to take the advice that I gave him during our interview. Is it time to put the periscope up and unleash a little torpedo to remind Boris <laughs> who the actual Prime Minister is? Well, joining me now is the former Conservative Party chairman, Sir Jake Berry. Ava and Esther are still here, and I'm joined by Talk TV's political editor, Kate McCann. I'm going to start with Kate McCann down in, in Westminster. The, the Liz Truss comeback that nobody forecast and nobody seems to want. Why is this happening? Why is she not taking a dignified period of silence of, say, 20 years? as we try and forget the damage she wrought on our economy. 
Yeah, Piers, I think that's a question that actually lots in the Conservative Party, not least in the country, are asking themselves too. What's clear from the 4,000-word piece that Liz Truss wrote over the weekend and the interview that she's done this evening with Spectator TV is that she feels she's going to play a role in reshaping not just the Conservative Party, but the whole of politics' approach to economics. She thinks essentially that Rishi Sunak and those in government right now have got it wrong, and she seems to feel some kind of duty to try and set it right. And what's fascinating about reading her interview and her reasoning for why things went the way they did is that there's a lot of blame levied on a lot of different people. The OBR comes in for some literal, uh, not, not phrased enough in uh, economics, we're not economically literate, we uh, play a part too. She's clearly thought about the reasons why she believes things went wrong for her, but I think the mood in the Conservative Party is pretty much not right now, thank you very much, even though there are many it's not, on it's those sorry, benches Kate, who think they'd in. like to It's see... not, not right now, it's not never, thanks. It's unbelievable. I mean, I read this 4,000-word thing. She blamed absolutely everybody and even found a way to blame the Labour Party, which I hadn't factored into this at all because last time I checked, she was thrown out by her own side, not by the Labour Party. Uh, but also the idea you can be Prime Minister for 44 days, that you can be outlasted by a lettuce in a tabloid stunt, that you tank the pound to record lows, that you cause immeasurable damage to individual households with soaring mortgages and, and so on. The idea that you don't even include the word sorry in this 4,000-word piece, that you blame everybody else and that you very grandly say, I don't think I'll be making a comeback as Prime Minister. No-one's going to ask you. Sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, I think she evidently feels like she was unfairly turfed out and she's gone away, thought about it, come back and explained all the reasons why she feels it wasn't fair. I mean, I think the most telling moment for me in what we've seen from her over the last 24 hours was she still doesn't really seem to have an answer to the question of why she sacked her own chancellor, which you would think she had spent some time thinking about. And you're right, you know, this does have a huge impact now on the party itself. I mean, you've got Jake Berry there. I'm sure that he will tell you that Rishi Sunak will be able to carry on and, and the Prime Minister is setting his own course. But the reality is that there are those in the Tory party, which is kind of what I was about to say before, who would like to see the Chancellor cut taxes in the budget. And we've had a very clear signal from Number 10 that that is not going to happen. And remember, we're not that far out from a general election. And there are lots of Conservative MPs worried about whether or not they'll be able to keep their seats who would like to see more action from the Prime Minister, who doesn't feel himself that now is the right time to rock I'm just trying to wonder, I'll bring again. in Jake Berry. I'm just trying to wonder how stupid you have to be as a Conservative Member of Parliament to think the best thing that Rishi Sunak could do right now is the thing that Liz trusted, which tanked the pound, virtually collapsed our economy, almost led to us defunding ourselves, uh, and led to her having to leave after 44 days as the record worst Prime Minister in history. What part of the brain of any Tory MP, and by the way, if you're one of them, I include you, <laughs> so this is your chance to, uh, <laughs> to either convict yourself or acquit, but what part of that thinking is anything other than insanity. I mean, it'd be like the old Einstein thing, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing again and again, expecting a different result. Well, Piers, look, Rishi Sunak himself has committed to lower taxes before the next general election, looking at the basic rate of income tax. That's something I support. I think 
families up and down this country realise there's a little bit too much month and not enough salary, and a great way of helping them out is to cut their taxes. But he said he'll do it in his own time, we all when, want it's, to, when Jake, it's right Jake, for the we, economy. We all want, so, to, cut, we so all look, want to cut our taxes, right? Well, we shouldn't be Everybody surprised wants that Conservative spend... MPs believe in cutting no, no, taxes. It's absolutely it's a fine. sort of mantra of the party. Fine. But the mantra of the party I keep hearing is, and this is from people that I know, for example, worship Margaret Thatcher, right? Margaret Thatcher... I don't know where this myth has developed that the first thing she did was slash taxes. She didn't. The first thing she did with the tricky economy that she inherited was she stabilised the economy, and when she was comfortable about it being stable, then she cut income tax dramatically, and it was a huge success. That's clearly what should be happening here. You stabilise the economy first. The inflation is still raging away at these huge levels. What you don't do is pour petrol onto the inflation bonfire at this particularly perilous moment, do you? I mean, it's mad. Well, Margaret Thatcher did spend the first part of her premiership reforming the civil service, which I absolutely think we need to do. And one of the things Liz has said is that the civil service has a sort of, a, you know, a sort of institutional bias against tax cuts and Brexit, she said recently today. You know, people will make their own mind about mm. that. And she rolled the pitch for tax cuts that led to a sustained period of austerity in the United Kingdom. Do I wish Liz Truss had taken that approach? Yes, I think she should have done. I think it would have been a much better way of dealing with it. Do as a Conservative, I believe, actually, we've got the highest taxes in this country that we've known in our peacetime history. Mm. I don't think they can go any higher. And I think if you accept that they shouldn't go higher, then you are then yeah. ultimately one talking of the about reason, one when of the we reasons, cut taxes, not if we cut taxes, Piers. One of the reasons... Of course, eventually, we want to cut taxes, but one of the reasons they're so astronomically high right now is to repair a lot of the damage that Liz Truss caused with her farcical 44 days. Her and Kwasi Kwarteng pulled this country's economy to its knees. Well, the idea she popped up so soon, I find it actually insulting to this country, to be a lecturer, to the people, the millions of people paying through their nose now for the mortgages. I find it insulting that Liz Truss has dared to rear her face so soon and is, and is not blaming anybody... It's not blaming yourself, but everybody else is to blame, including the Labour Party, apparently. It's a left-wing conspiracy that forced her to do what she did. No, it was ignorance of the markets and of the economy. Full stop, end. Well, I don't accept your premise that taxes are high now because it's repairing what happened in I said they're days. higher than they would be no, because of the damage. taxes are high the now damage because caused. we are coming out of a, a moment of national crisis in terms of COVID. That's why taxes are I know. high. I'm There's no about, point saying anything. I, Look, I, I, said, issue, I said they've the issue, had to go back up the way well, they did to repair... That's what you said, but it doesn't matter. But but on, the issue, on the issue... No, no, Jake, on the issue of to be clear, and Jake, Jake, hold on a moment, you questioned me. So just to be clear... I said the reason they've had to go so stratospherically higher again is because of the wow. damage that she caused and we've had to repair it. Jeremy Hunt's had no option, nor's Rishi Sunak. The, the reason taxes are so high is because we're coming out of the COVID pandemic. But on the issue of timing, I think... Look, it doesn't matter where you think blame lies. I think the British people wanted to hear Why sorry, sorry from Liz. I think they wanted to hear sorry. I think it was a mistake not to say that. And, in frankly, whoever is in... You know, who, wherever the blame lies, the British people look at this and go, my mortgage went up. Uh, you yeah. know, there was, a, there was a problem with the economy, the, the mm. bond yields went up. It doesn't matter whose fault it is, they blame the government. They blame this. You are in charge. Well, they you blame are the government because, because and this, this trust and quasi quarting played Russian roulette with the country's finances. But that's why it's so important now that we deliver on this pledge made by Richie to half inflation. Well, let's play a clip from my interview. Is the biggest challenge fa yeah. facing every family. And that's Look, one interest rates went up again last week. This trust wasn't in power. It's because of inflation, and that's why we've got to. Take I understand. Care. Let's play another clip from my interview with Rishi Sunak about this very subject. 
it's pretty much the worst imaginable hospital pass any incoming Prime Minister could ever wish to receive, which begs the question, what on earth did you want to do this for? Even though it was going to be a nightmare job for all the reasons that you uh, outlined, you know, I felt that I could make a difference and I was the best person to make a difference at that moment, especially given the challenges that people were facing and what they were seeing with their mortgages. And that's, that's ultimately why I put myself forward to, to do it. And knowing that it would be difficult and challenging, but ultimately doing what I thought was my duty in that situation, because I believed deeply in service and, and thought I could make a difference to the country. Now, it, that got well received, that interview. I think people appreciated seeing a bit more of him than they normally do in an interview, able to show a serious side and also a personal side. But I was quite impressed by the way he said to me, right, I've got these pledges, come back and interview me at the end of the year and give me the verdict then on whether I've met them or not. I like that. That, that gives me a genuine... All of us, a target. Right, OK, he's laid down his, his marker. But the very last thing Rishi Sunak needs right now are the two buffoons who came before him rearing themselves up like we've been so hard done by, going on manoeuvres and trying to damage him and chip away right when the party leads it, needs it least. You've been party chairman. What would you be doing now with these two renegades? Well, look, the first thing is we've got to work out what we want former Prime Minister to do. We're all quite critical uh, in the media and politicians alike of... Tony Blair and David Cameron virtually immediately leaving office. People saying they're leaving to cash in. We've then got a whole series of prime ministers who have stayed in Parliament and are involved in politics. Gordon Brown campaigned in the Scottish referendum. He's, in fact, writing large parts of the Labour Party's manifesto for them now in relation to devolution. When we have prime ministers coming in in their early 40s, we have to work out what they're going to do next. I think that prime ministerial interventions, they're uniquely understand how challenging the job is of being a Prime Minister. In that interview, I heard Rishi Sunak say to you that he, in fact, speaks to all the former Conservative Prime Ministers mm. and party leaders and talks to them about advice, but uniquely they know how challenging the right. job is. So interventions should be infrequent and impactful. Okay. And I think that can actually help the debate in this country. All right. Ava, I mean, I, I do find it staggering. Here, here is Liz Lalesis. Um, I do find it staggering that we're even having a conversation about Liz Trust making any kind of comeback yet. And with no remorse, no apology, just like it never happened. It was all somebody else's fault. And by the way, I was right. Yeah, and I think the other thing I take away that I'm a little bit frightened to hear, Jake, is your defence of list trust and that low tax policy. Because the first time that you enacted that, you spooked the markets and you frightened investment away from the UK. And actually, investors are still frightened to put their money into our country. And if they think that people on the back benches, MPs on the back benches, are going to still go for this low-tax policy and might brighten the markets again, they're never going to bring anything here. Well, it's, it's not a low-tax policy. We're one of the highest... We are, we're in the highest yeah, tax burden this nation tax. has ever been under. Perhaps you think they should go up. I actually think that we are... Nobody you know, thinks they should the go up. Well, no, well, 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 apparently Ava does. No, apparently I, people I, talk about not, tax That's not what I said at all. You advocated for the a low-tax policy. The are squeaking. You the talk to ordinary working families up and down this country and what they want is the government to give them a break Give them a tax cut to let them keep some... I, 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 I agree money. with you, but I think we're conflating two different issues here. I think... I can't believe I'm defending Liz Trust, but she... <laughs> you know, investment in the UK was... We were the lowest um, of the G7 in terms of investment for a decade preceding Brexit. So, clearly, Liz Trust, in her awful way, was trying to fix a structural issue with Britain's economy by trying to attract foreign Jumping investment. Jumping the gun. But exactly, but the communication was off. I mean, the whole strategy was... Not off. listening Even to any Exactly. I think what's... The biggest issue with her comeback is the fact... The lack of the word sorry. Yeah. And I think we have to acknowledge that. No-one is against low taxes. Conservatives, even Labour... You know, Labour... Um, traditional Labour voters 
voters who are hardworking people want lower taxes. But it's the way she went about it, the fact that she's blamed no one, everyone else but herself, and the fact that she's really not kind of reading the room. No one wants to see Liz Truss back. No! No. But, well, maybe you do, well, like, do you? No, 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 no. no. what well, is she coming to do? The Labour Party has uh, agreed with the Conservative Party that they think the basic rate of income tax should fall. I think that, that is now yeah. agreed between the two parties. Mm. Look, Liz Truss's diagnosis of what is wrong with the economy about being a low-growth, high-tax economy that That's is true. unable to That's fund true. public services is correct. Was the prescription for that disease right? No, it wasn't. Should she have said sorry? I actually said earlier, I think she should mm. have done. I think she would have got a much better hearing for the serious point that she wants to make about we need to talk about okay. how we create growth in our economy to pay for public services. Absolutely. Jake, yes. good to see you. Good Thanks to see for coming you. in. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you to my pack. Excellent today, as always. Coming up, how big of a threat is a balloon from China to the mighty United States of America? Well, quite a big one, according to Vivek Ramaswamy. And he joins me next. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back. It's the balloon that's become a political scandal in America. This is the moment the suspected Chinese spy balloon was finally shot down over South Carolina after eight days drifting across American airspace. President Biden has been accused of humiliating America and emboldening China by acting too slowly. The commander-in-chief says he decisively commanded US forces to shoot down the balloon, which they eventually did on Saturday, where that was four days after he said that. Well, joining me now... Actually, we've got a clip. I ordered the Pentagon to shoot it down on Wednesday as soon as possible. They decided without doing damage to anyone on, on the ground. They decided that the best time to do that was if it got over water outside within our within 12-mile limit. They successfully took it down, and I want to compliment our aviators who did it. Nice top Gun shades he's sporting there, the president. But joining me now is the American entrepreneur and commentator, Vivek Ramaswamy. Oh, Vivek, um, you'll notice that the anti-woke scourge of corporate wokery, so it's good to have you on anyway, and we may get to that in a, in a second. But just on this issue of China 
and this balloon. It seemed to me a remarkable coincidence that in the run-up to President Biden's State of the Union speech, which is tomorrow night, you have a Chinese spy balloon just wandering across American airspace for eight days. And it also revealed, I think, what many people fear is the problem with President Biden, which is his ineffectiveness when it comes to dealing with China. Uh, and you just have this spy balloon there and nothing happening to it for days on end. So, look, I actually think they were purposefully waiting for that spy balloon to fly over the ocean before shooting it down precisely so they could have plausible deniability because they were afraid of what they would actually find. So what they're able to be able to say to the public now, if I'm able to make a prediction, is that they weren't actually able to find the information so they can't know, even though they sent these Navy divers down to find it. The problem is if they had shot it down instantly over land, they would have to deal with what they actually saw. And my view is that China is not so incompetent as some believe they are. I think they were sending a signal. They have sent these balloons in the past, reportedly. But I think a big part of this was showing who's in charge. The idea that we can send this balloon over your territory and you're not really going to do a darn thing about it. And I'm sorry to say that they were basically right because shooting it down after it's over the ocean was the equivalent of doing nothing about it. And then now the outrage afterwards is just a faux outrage from the CCP for whom lying is but a habit of their culture. And so that's, I think, the essence of what's going on here. They flew these balloons over Taiwan last year, reportedly. Now they're just sending that signal to the United States as one more inch in progressing towards sending their projection of strength over us as a people. That's, I think, a big part of the subtext of what was going on here. And what do you think is the likelihood of uh, China attacking Taiwan anytime soon? A lot of people think it is more likely than not. So I've been talking about this for a long time. I think it is quite high. I think it goes up for every, every little bit, it goes up further. I think it was not going to happen before October of last year. That's when Xi Jinping took over his third term as leader of the CCP. He didn't want to disrupt the apple cart. But now that he's taken over, it'd be the perfect opportunity to show and project force. There's a Taiwanese election coming up in 2024. There's a U.S. election, presidential election, coming up in 2024. If I were in their shoes, you would look at the current U.S. president and say that's a pretty good bet for somebody who's not going to take actually the right actions to deter this. That creates a potential window. Add to that the fact that the U.S. is actually retreating and actually even retiring some of its ships in the South China Sea. That creates a potential nadir of U.S. naval capacity in the South China Sea right when China is actually ramping up its shipping production and its naval capacity as well. So I think it's unfortunately the imperfect confluence, which is to say, from China's standpoint, the perfect confluence of forces and alignment of the stars to say that that moment to go after Taiwan could be coming sooner than we want. And I think this balloon was really, if I may say, a trial balloon to say that, you know what, we're going to invade your sovereignty, see what you're going to do about it. If the U.S. didn't do anything meaningful for that, then I think that's a test to say that the U.S. may not do anything right. meaningful and also, in China's eyes. And China will also either. be watching like a hawk what's happening in Ukraine and seeing how big a stomach for the fight the Americans have, right? Because there are, there are increasing rumblings on the Republican side in particular in the United States that they shouldn't be spending all this money uh, waging you know, a war, sort of proxy war, helping the Ukrainians defeat Vladimir Putin. Uh, they should be spending it on more uh, pressing domestic issues. But I would argue against that that if you let Putin win in Ukraine, that's a green light, I would say, for China to go into Taiwan. Well, it's one step deeper than that, Pierce, if I may. 
We don't depend on Russia for our modern way of life. In fact, even in the last Cold War, the U.S. did not depend on the Soviet Union for the shoes on our feet or the phones in our pocket. But the precarious position with China, and I think this is the defining aspect of this Cold War in the 21st century, is the U.S. depends on its rival, its enemy, for powering its modern way of life, from the clothes we wear to the electronics that we use. And that's what makes it so difficult to face down China relative to facing down Russia. So I actually think that it's, in some ways, it's a disanalogy, because even if the U.S. could take on Vladimir Putin, that's the easy part. In fact, you know, do, do, do a thought experiment. Imagine this was a Russian spy balloon. There is little doubt in my mind that the thing the U.S. would have done was to shoot it down instantly and ratchet up sanctions on Russia. Mm. And the reason they didn't do it on China is because the U.S. depends on China for our modern way of life. You know, the U.S. declared independence from the folks on your side of the pond in 1776. I think 2023 or 2024 needs to be the year that the U.S. declares independence from China, or else there's no chance of actually being you know, able you to know who's that been saying that militarily. For 40 years, Donald Trump. <laughs> It was one of, the, one of the things he was spot on about. <laughs> I remember interviewing Donald Trump 15 years ago and him telling me exactly that. He, just got a, he said China is basically pillaging the US without the US really realising what's going on. And it looks like he, he was right. Um, Vivek, great to talk to you. Thank you very much. Give, Come back again and talk about uh, anti-woke uh, scourge of corporations. We need, we need your voice. It's out of control. So please come back another time. We'll discuss that. We'll do that. Well, looks like Sam Smith as the devil at the Grammys. Madonna looking barely human. Did they all think it was Halloween? Is this art or obscenity? We'll debate that next. It's hard to keep up with Sam Smith's identities, but last night's Grammys, uh, they, as Smith now prefers to be called, identified as Satan. The performance riled many views, especially amongst the American uh, Christian fraternity, which there are 210 million in America. Senator Ted Cruz said it was evil. Well, one of the scariest moments for me wasn't Sam Smith as the devil. It came with Madonna's general appearance. She seemed not to have got the memo that Halloween's in October. But are they, Sam Smith, pushing artistic boundaries or just pushing the limits of good taste? Shocking. For the sake of it, outraging, because why not? It sells records. Well, joining me now to debate all this, it's Master Rowan, who performs as Tripping Jupiter, and the YouTuber and commentator, Lauren Chen. So, Lauren Chen, let's start with you. I mean, it's caused outrage, this Sam Smith performance last night. He'll be quite pleased about that, because quite clearly, a bit like Madonna, his heroine, part of his shtick is deliberately creating outrage because it fuels interest and headlines and sells records. No, you're absolutely right. And people have said that this is a controversial move by Sam Smith. This is not at all controversial within Hollywood. And I want to be clear that Sam Smith did this specifically to upset the American right and Christians everywhere and to virtue signal to his fellow Hollywood members and elitists that, don't worry, he's on your team. He hates all of the things that he's supposed to hate. If he actually wanted to be controversial in Hollywood, what he would do is actually come out in favor of traditional values, because we know that would never happen in a million years. Or he would, heaven forbid, actually do something that's critical of maybe Islam. That would genuinely be controversy, but of course, because that wouldn't be popular among leftist elitists, he's not going to do that. This is actually, in a lot of ways, the safest thing that Sam Smith could have done. Yeah, I mean, now, Tripping Jupiter, do I call you Tripping Jupiter or Madster? Which one would you prefer? You could call me Madster. Madster, thank you for being on the programme. Um, 
This reminds me a bit of the Met, the Met Gala in New York when they all suddenly wore crucifixes one year. And as a Catholic, I read a column saying, you know what, you wouldn't be doing this to the Islam uh, religion. Why would you just do it to Catholicism and to Christianity? And that reminded me again exactly what uh, Lauren said about last night. Yeah, you can dress up as Satan and prance about having a bit of devil worshipping just to deliberately outrage 63% of Americans who are Christians. But given he wouldn't do that with other religions which are likely to lead to more serious repercussions for him, I thought it was a bit cowardly, if I'm honest. I mean, I don't think there's anything cowardly about Sam Smith. And, you know, if Lauren's suggesting that they are doing this just for publicity as far as, like, their identity goes, I mean, people struggle their entire lives with identity and the fact that they can come to a place where they feel secure enough to let it out in the public is a, an amazing thing and a beautiful thing and a really important thing. As far as the, the, the red glitter hat with the devil horns, and I'm sorry, Ted Cruz, if anyone looks at Sam Smith and thinks the word evil, I think that they might frighten a little too easily. As far as, as, far as the Catholic Church goes, I mean, um, I can't think of a better, uh, you know, religion to criticize or to tweak or because, I mean, I mean, there's like decades and decades of of child sexual abuse that got covered up. So they don't really have a right to stand out and be outraged when they no, no, but there are also decades, and... there are decades and decades of Islamic fundamentalist terrorism. And the point that Lauren was making, I think rather powerfully, was that you wouldn't get Sam Smith mocking Islam in a performance. Yeah, but we're here to talk Grammys, about Because, again, I mean, you wouldn't say it's cowardly. I'd say that is an example of kind of cowardice because we all know he wouldn't do that. And what he did last night, I'd say the he, I think he called... They. They, what they did last night uh, was a deliberate act of provocation to a group of people who represent nearly two-thirds of America. And I, I'm, I find that an interesting strategic decision. You know, this is, a, this is somebody who wants to sell records in America... You know, it's a, it's a risky strategy to take on that number of Christians and mock their religion in that way. Well, I don't think anybody's religion was mocked at all. And this album by Sam Smith is, it's phenomenal. Um, it's got really positive messaging to it. But like, if you're gonna talk about artists pushing boundaries, this is what great artists do. You go back to David Bowie. He was attacked and vilified when he burst onto the scene. Lady Gaga, over a dozen years ago or more coming out, same thing. You could go back to, I mean, so are you gonna tell me you don't like David Bowie? You don't like Lady Gaga because people were unhappy? And the interesting thing is with these icons, go back to Katherine Hepburn, right? When she was doing movies, she wore pants and people freaked out. The detractors who push against people who push gender boundaries, Nobody remembers their names years well, I think later. The problem, we know I'll come Hepburn. back to Lauren, but the problem I have with Sam Smith is that they can't seem to work out what they are. So we went through a period where he was identifying apparently as a straight man, then he came out as gay and everyone was applauded, and then within, I think, 18 months, uh, he decided he wasn't a gay man anymore, he was going to be non-binary, gender-fluid, and wanted to be called they. It's quite hard to keep up. Lauren Chen, not to be disrespectful to they, but it is hard to keep up with Sam Smith because every 18 months or so, he seems to, like a chameleon, flip into something, some other new identity. So, and then we have to respect that, those 
titles that they now want. No, you're absolutely right, and it's interesting because I was looking back to interviews when Sam Smith first came out as gay, and he actually back then would say things along the lines of, there's more to me than my sexuality, I just want this to be normalized, this shouldn't be a whole thing, which, I mean, by today's 2023 standards, that almost makes him sound like a right-wing extremist, the idea that his sexuality shouldn't define himself. Uh, but fast forward to today, apparently he's gotten the memo that the trendy thing is to come out as uh, some sort of trendy new gender every other day, and I just want to say in regard to Sam Smith dressing as the devil that's that's not part of your identity your fashion choices are not part of your identity sam smith deciding to in his music video wear a corset doesn't mean he's non-binary it all all it means is that he's desperate for attention has absolutely no sense of fashion well, and also and talking to people around and, him right and talking to people desperate for attention um Mastin, i just want to show you madonna's head at the grammys and just i just wonder is this an example when you look at madonna at the grammys last night of where plastic surgery takes you if you're not very careful? If you're asking me, I'm not an expert on plastic surgery, so I prefer to go back to Lauren's comment. I just have a question for both of you. Have we got the picture Why? of Madonna? Sorry, there we are, yeah. Sorry, yeah, go, right. go on, Mastin. Well, I, I wish her well. She's an icon. She's done great things in music and influenced a lot of people. My question is, why are conservatives, the ultra-conservatives especially, the only ones who are obsessed with what people wear, obsessed with how people identify, and obsessed you know with other Master, people's We've run out of time, but I can answer one question. I'm not a conservative. So if that helps you, that will help with debate. Uh, Lauren, Mastin, great to have you both. Come back again soon. That's it from me. Keep it uncensored.